Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Hello and happy new year. I am so excited to be starting off 2022 with the ladies of a good morning podcast. Sally Douglas and Imogen Karn are here today. Let me tell you a quick little story. Last year when I decided to rebrand and restart the So Sorry for Your Loss podcast, I started working in the early spring, getting guests on board to be a part of it. And I had been a fan of the Good Morning podcast, saw that they were on a similar mission to me and was like, oh my God, I need to have these ladies. Reached out. They didn't respond. (laughs) They did not respond. And you know what? I don't blame them. There was nothing on my page that you could see what I was doing. It was just not anything that looked professional or good. So totally fine. But then just recently, they reached out to me. They did a message on Instagram, said they loved the stuff that I was sharing and would love to be a part of the podcast. And holy crap, I felt like the popular girl in school noticed me. (laughs) I had been such a fan of what they do. Go check them out on Instagram at Good Morning Podcast. Morning is spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Such a great name. We've found a lot of other podcasts that have great names relating to loss. So today's episode is a sit down with them, learning about the losses that they went through, how they met each other, how they came up with the Good Morning Podcast, and what is next from them. I'm happy to be starting my new year with you and hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go, the ladies of Good Morning. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi, Gianna. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Excited to chat with you. Oh, my God. I still feel like (laughs) I'm just watching your videos online and this isn't real, that I'm not really talking to you guys right now. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) All right. So what time is it there for you guys? 10 a.m. And it's Thursday. Yes. yes. It's been amazing to see everything that you guys have done and like just kind of going on the journey with you and like the one year anniversary and how you guys were laughing and crying. And it, I mean, you really have made it like just sitting down with two friends talking about a grief. And I think in the time of the pandemic, when that getting together with people was really taken away from you, it became so important. I'm so grateful to have found you and to see that somebody else is kind of on the same mission that I am to look at grief in a totally different way. You know, we can laugh about it and that's fine. We can say crazy things. We can throw the F word around as much as we want. And it's all still grief. It's our grief. It's how we want to experience it. And also experiencing it at our age is not so commonly talked about for the good morning podcast to bring it out here and say like, listen, people our age go through this too. And look, there's an entire community of people that are going through the same thing that you are has been just absolutely incredible. Right back at you, by the way, we love what you do as well. It's such a great podcast and we are on the absolute same page. We love a bit of humor. (laughs) love to throw around the F-bomb. So yeah, right (laughs) back at you for doing amazing work because there aren't enough conversations, you know, and when you, you know, you're thrown into grief, 
where do you where do you begin so yeah, yeah so amazing what you were doing as well and thanks for having us on your wonderful podcast I'm so happy to have you here I want to start with each of you about your moms and if you could tell us a little bit about them who they were paint a picture for us Imogen we'll start with you so my mom's name is Vanessa and she was a very colorful character. She was just so incredibly warm and gentle and just one of those people that you would meet and they leave a lasting impression on you, no matter who you are. And yeah, she was just, in, she was just incredible. And I feel like somehow she brought Sal and I together or our mums met and brought us together, which is really special for us. Anything that you can tell us like a favorite meal of hers or her favorite color or just something about Vanessa? I'll tell you a funny little story. <laughs> this will paint a good picture of her for your yes. listeners. So it's to do with the wake. So when we were at the wake, you know how that we share lots of like stories of the person who died and it's a really beautiful part of the day. So my sister, she has two boys, but one of them, Liam, my mum used to babysit every Monday. And so at the wake, my sister found out for the first time that the entire time she was babysitting her son, she hired a babysitter to come and like look after him. Yeah, it's so good. And I knew, but I like never, I never told my sister because I kept secrets from my mom. We had a really close relationship, but my sister never knew. And like my mom would always be there, but she just didn't have to do the hands-on annoying, like <laughs> work with a baby. She that paid someone else hysterical. to do it. <laughs> and is it because like the woman showed up to the week? No, no. People that just knew that we finally felt like we could tell her secrets. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That is hysterical. Yeah. That yeah. does tell That's us about Vanessa. She's it she's entrepreneurial though. She, yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's such Shut a it good story. I wish I could have met your mum, honestly. Like some of the things that you tell me, I just think, I just, yeah, she sounds like Sal, such a legend. Sal and my mum are so similar as well, though, in, in like many ways. They've got the same hobbies. They love op shopping, reading books in the sun, like so many things are really similar, which brings me a lot of comfort as well. That's so <laughs> lovely. I bet you guys feel like you probably know each other's moms though now, like after having this year and talking about them all so much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Sal, tell me a little bit about your mom. My mom was called Rose and she was really gentle, really kind, very, very warm. One of those people that you know, you just felt her sort of her inner warmth. She really cared about people. Very, very gentle, but drove like an absolute boy racer, which you wouldn't <laughs> think. Which is <laughs> the least gentle thing ever. Yeah. Yes, Rose. <laughs> um, she was honestly like, I remember the first time my husband got in a car with her and she was like mounting curbs and all sorts of things. It was it's quite, quite a sight to behold and quite oh funny. Oh my gosh would not think that she was like that but yeah just really warm like a real bookworm just very caring by nature did a lot of volunteering beautiful human I miss her so much we had a funny wake story actually we I think I feel like when you know when you're kind of at wakes and you're sharing memories of them the things like in story things come out that people yeah. maybe wouldn't have mentioned before and my cousin uh, my mum was really practical so very sort of practically minded and my cousin was like oh I just need to get this off my chest <laughs> when it was my 30th birthday your mum gave me a present and um it was like in it was in a jewelry case it looked like a necklace right you know like those long uh -huh. um, 
like necklace kind of boxes she said so I thought you know it's my 30th birthday maybe it's a piece of jewelry how lovely I was really excited to open it and it was an iPhone charger oh (laughs) my gosh (laughs) and like we were just laughing like would love to know the thought process behind that like literally just stuffed an iPhone charger like into a a necklace box (laughs) and gave it to my cousin for her 30th birthday I mean very practical but she was very much like that what was a fun fact about her like a favorite song now that you told me she was a race car driver I'm expecting her to listen to like heavy metal or something <laughs> do you know she lo- <laughs> definitely know heavy metal yeah. um, all out 80s human yeah. league all that kind of stuff she was right into that although she did have sex on fire on her playlist didn't she Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. So after she died, I was going through her like Spotify and, you know, Spotify comes up with like your top songs. That yeah. was like one of her top songs. I was like, I don't want to know anymore. Um, <laughs> That's so cool that you had that experience, though, to be able to go through and see the different songs that she would listen to. Yeah. Like, just... were, oh, so Sex on Fire, I imagine that was incredibly surprising to find that. Were there any others that you were like, oh my gosh, mom, I had no idea you would listen to this. I can't remember the other ones, but yeah, I still have her phone here, actually. I've got it in my in my desk drawer and I just can't bear to like part with it. And yeah. I'll, I'll probably keep it for as long as, as long as it's, you know, got juice in it. But it was really interesting like to see her like favorite songs and all of, you know, the, the Spotify songs and the things that she listened to. I feel like I've made a playlist now of those songs. I feel like I can like keep her alive by listening to that. Yeah, I have that too. I, not specific songs that my dad curated, but I curated a playlist of all the songs that remind me of him or ones that he would always text me and be like, oh, this song is on or things we just shared memories over. And that's like my go-to on his birthday or the death anniversary or Father's Day. And it just helps me feel close to him. I've gotten to you know, a few years out, it's it's less traumatic to listen to the songs than it is in the beginning. But I've gotten to the place where I can almost feel like I'm sitting there with him listening to these songs together. It's it's become like a, a blanket over me as opposed to nails on a chalkboard. So anyway, I also wanted to point out I am wearing leopard skin today in an ode to <laughs> the photos that you guys have on the website of you and the matching leopard skin, which I love. It just, I'm I mean, rocking it. I feel like we're just in matching black t-shirts today, are we? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Letting the team down. Um, yeah. uh, you look awesome. I, I actually did clock that earlier. I feel like this, we've got a lot in common because I work in PR as well. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm like leopard print, PR, grief, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just like twins on the other side of the world, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to hear the story of how you guys met, because I know that grief was involved and there was something that you feel was like a a spiritual intervention that brought you together. hundred percent. Do you want to start, Sal? Okay, I'll start. It feels like a bit of a love story. So we both lived in Sydney. Obviously, our mums died suddenly months apart. We were both a similar age and we, we aren't really the support group type of people, but we both found grief to be really lonely Mm -hmm. as you as you will know and even though we had a strong support network we you know we we felt really isolated in our grief because not a lot of our peers had been through a big loss and so we both went to a meetup through like a support group called motherless daughters australia and there was about 10 of us wasn't there in yeah 10 of us it was Um, like peak covid so it was capped at 10 people so we made 
the cut because I know quite a few people wanted to attend. But yeah, like Sal mentioned, we we weren't support group type of people. So I think we were both really nervous going into it. And there were many times where I know I nearly backed out. Sal rocked up really late. I don't know what was going on through her mind. But yeah, we're, yeah, it was, a, it was a funny day. And like, I remember getting there quite early and I, I got a wine. I feel like everyone else was drinking coffee. I'm like, my mum has just died. Why isn't anyone else <laughs> drinking wine? <laughs> I, I remember daytime. <laughs> I saw your wine and I was, cause I was driving. So I was like, I'm not going to have a wine. I'm driving, but I was eyeing your wine up. And I was like, I really want a wine as well. She's got the right idea. Right. Like I need to go <laughs> sit next to that person over there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And I went, I actually sat opposite in and then I went to get a drink and someone sat in my place. So we ended up at the opposite ends of the table, didn't we? And it, yeah, we were kind of all, all sharing our stories and, and we both kind of had said, you know, we lost our mums in our early thirties and we both lost our mums suddenly. So I kind of clocked that it maybe had a similar experience to me, mm-hmm. but then we all left and I left a little bit early and then didn't really get a chance to sort of, you know, chat any further. And then Im dropped me a, a DM on Facebook, didn't you? I did. It was kind of like this energy thing. You know, when you meet someone and you just got an energy totally. connection. Yeah. We had that. And even though we didn't really get to talk on the day, I was disappointed when someone took her spot. And I think we mm-hmm. both had this like unspoken kind of like, yeah, disappointment that we didn't get to cross paths properly on that day. So it yeah, was I like love at the- first sight. Literally. <laughs> yeah. There was some higher force happening at we were meant to meet on that day because it was just such an unusual kind of situation for us to put ourselves in. And I know that, yeah, I went there for a reason and that reason was to meet Sal. And then I just felt pulled to message her afterwards. And I just, yeah, plucked up the courage. It was, it's kind of like texting a guy that you're like, yeah, (laughs) making that first move, what's going to happen. But I'm glad I did because here we are. And yeah, it's changed, changed my life in such a positive way. Having this friendship with Sal. Oh, hundred percent. I know you've had several mediums come on the show. Is that something that anyone has ever acknowledged that, yeah, that wasn't an accident that you guys were there at the same time? Yes. Yes. It actually happened for my, my sister went to see a medium. This was crazy. So my sister saw a medium pretty early on and she said to my sister that my mom was with somebody called Rose. And at the time we didn't clock it. Yeah. Like we didn't think anything of it. Hadn't we? Like, so it was just after you met me and we hadn't even started good morning. So this was kind of like a month after we met when our friendship was sort of, you know, we were kind of getting to know each other and meeting up and stuff. Yeah. And then we went for lunch, didn't we? It was your mum's birthday, wasn't it, Sal? Yes. Yeah. And my sister called me and um, usually I wouldn't answer my phone when I'm at lunch with someone, but I don't know. I just answered my phone just in case, you know, something was wrong. So I answered and she's like, what are you up to? I said, I'm just having lunch with Sal. It's her mum's birthday today. She goes, oh, what was her mum's name? And I said, it was Rose. And she just paused and went, holy shit. Do you remember when I went to see that medium? And then wow. the medium said that mum was with somebody called Rose, like wherever they are in the afterlife or and it just dropped and we're like, holy crap, like this is just yeah. too much. <laughs> that is my favorite type of occurrence with a medium when it's something that doesn't make sense in the moment, but you find out after the fact, because I think that is such a testament to their powers when it's like, I know something you don't even know yet. 
you know, like, because yeah. there's so many people that want to knock it and be like, oh, well, they clearly could have researched you or figured this out or whatever. But it's like, there's no way that they could have figured that out through research when I didn't even know it yet. Yes. yes. And and we listened, um, we listened back to, so Im's sister sent us the recording and we listened to it. And in, in the, the, you know, the reading, the lady's like, yeah, she's with someone called Rose. And you can hear Im's sister going, I don't know, like, my sister's middle name's Rose, but we don't really know anyone called Rose. And she just, it just did, you know, didn't even yeah. like figure. And then we figured out that we met at a place called the Rose Hotel Pub. Oh, wow. So just little things yes. like that. Yeah. All we, comes both together. Had a few, yeah. And we've both had a few readings in the, in the readings. They've said, you know, your mum's brought you together. This is a hundred percent, you know, it's not an accident or a coincidence. It, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. That's so beautiful. I, and I, I truly believe, believe that too, because I think there isn't any coincidence to a lot of things. I, I'm not in the business of convincing people if they don't want to believe it, that's fine. But I do think that as both of your moms have, my dad has put me on certain paths like this, just even doing this podcast to help me and to make sure that I would be okay after he left. So it's, it's always really interesting to be able to look back and, and see those things. But so we're talking with you guys from Australia here in the US. Grief is still a very taboo thing. I mean, I've been through both now. I've been through a death in the family and the birth of a family and people are way more willing to ask you about the birth of your child and check in on you after that than they are after the death of a loved one. And the craziest thing is we all go through it. It should be something that everybody understands how to handle, but we don't. So I want to know from you, what is it like in Australia? And Sal, I know you're from the UK originally. Are there differences that you've seen in your cultures and your society from how we might handle it here in the US? It's so interesting, isn't it? Because Im and I have um, often said that we feel like the US are way more open about talking about grief and a lot of our community members are from the US we have a really strong US following and a lot of them are like very very open in sort of talking about their grief and I know it's a bit different when you're grieving yourself you kind of need that outlet but somebody uh, else has said that to me too from Australia that they felt the US had more and I don't maybe it's just the thing of like the grass is always greener on the other side and it's like people are doing it better but I'm telling you every time I find a reel that is about grief I do don't even have to have the sound on and I know the person's Australian and then really? I, will, really? I will click the sound and the person will be Australian yeah that is so interesting yeah I do I do think in the UK they are perhaps leading the charge there's a lot of kind of grief accounts and grief support groups and in the UK and a lot of kind of I guess grief experts over there so I think in terms of having the conversations maybe the UK uh, is leading the charge a little bit. Sorry, I'm gonna, just going to mute myself. The dogs are going off. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely say that Australia is the worst <laughs> for acknowledging loss. I feel like we get two weeks here maybe after the funeral and then that's it. And then your loss kind of isn't really acknowledged by society after that. So I'm surprised that people, we have the perception that we're kind of open to talking about grief here. I, I feel like... Definitely, like Sal said, in the States, you guys seem so much further ahead. And the UK, definitely, there's lots of conversations happening. But I think still even across the board in the entire world, it still needs to 
change. We still need to kind of open the conversation up more. Absolutely. Even just the simple things. And that's what I think your site is so good at of, of saying how simple it can be of just like, say the person's name or just here's your grief tip Tuesday that you've come out with is, is so great too, because it shows how simple it can be. I think it can be very overwhelming and I've been through it and I still don't know what to do in certain situations that are different from my own grief. Like you were saying, Sal, it's like you had heard Imogen say that she lost her mom and she lost it sudden. And all of a sudden you feel a connection to that. And I do the same thing with people that lost their dads in a sudden way. Cause it's like, okay, I can kind of imagine or relate to what they went through. And that's what I find so wild about this whole grief world is how similar it can all be and how different it can all be at the same time. I find it very hard sometimes to almost come up with my content because I can find ways to negate something that I I say. Like I want to offer a tip, but then I'm like, well, yeah, but you could look at it this way too. So h- how do you guys manage that covering an audience that has so many different perspectives? Grief, like you mentioned, is incredibly unique to the individual. So There really is no time limit. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And we acknowledge that all the time throughout our work. And I think what we have come to learn, which I think is felt across the board, is that it is a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. So we always come back to that. And it was interesting. I I saw someone the other week who I hadn't seen for quite some time, I think even maybe before my mum had died. And so Sal's just passed the two-year mark and I'm coming up to the two-year mark. So in our eyes, it's still very fresh. Yeah. And this person didn't even acknowledge that my mum had died and I hadn't seen them. And it's kind of like because it's been nearly two years, I think in their mind it's like, oh, don't need to bring it up. Yeah. But it's still such a huge part of my world. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. And I think... That's what we always, yeah, what we always come back to is like grief is lifelong. It changes over time. Nobody is going to grieve the same way as you, but there are a lot of similarities in the way that people grieve. You know, Sal and I, our mums died from different circumstances, but we feel so many of the same things, you know, and mm-hmm. at different times as well, you know, it'll hit you at different times. But yeah, it's a, it's a funny old thing, grief. Yeah. What advice would you give to people that are feeling really isolated in their grief? Again, we talked about COVID and how isolating that was for people just in general. The podcast has been a great way to reach out to people in 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 every country really across the world. But is there something that has worked for you guys that if it happened again tomorrow, that would be the first thing that you would go to? For me... Grief is so is so lonely. And I think that loneliness yeah. can come not necessarily from not having people around you, but it comes from having that lack of connection with people who understand what you're going through. And I think that's why so many people do feel lonely and isolated in their grief. Even if they've got a massive support network, it's having that kind of connection with someone that really gets what you're going through, which is why Im and I connected on such a level. But I do think sometimes you need to almost get you need to help people help you in a way because I think people are rubbish. Yes. They're shit. They don't know how to support you. Yes. And, you know, like Im's example earlier, they might not even acknowledge it because they are just so uncomfortable with talking about death. You know, I think it makes us face our own mortality. That's why people are just rubbish with it. But also they just don't know how to support. So I do think in a way... And one thing that I've learned is almost letting people know what you need if you've got the strength to do that Mm -hmm. and not necessarily just, 
going, okay, well, they haven't, you know, my friends haven't shown up for me in the way that I'd like them to. So I'm going to put them in that box of they're rubbish. I think it's almost, you need to let them know what you need as well and kind of help people help you if, if yeah. you can, because, you know, support is so important. And that can be really hard. I had to even so say, hard. you know, it's it's hard to even help yourself, let alone to be able to tell somebody else how they can help you. But I think even just letting people know that of like, hey, it might be really hard for you to dig into that part of yourself and ask for help right now, but I promise you it's going to be worth it once you do. That's something that I have people come and ask me a lot about wedding planning because my dad and my mother-in-law both passed away before our wedding. So my husband and I were both going through this and it was pretty difficult. So people come to me all the time to ask for advice and how do you deal with this? And that's one of those times where it's a pleasant event, right? People are thrilled to be involved and they want to help. And I have to tell the people, take advantage of that. You know, maybe those people weren't there when you were grieving because they don't know what to say, but in this wedding planning time, they want to help you take advantage of the help as much as you can and assign them to do certain tasks, assign them to do the envelopes for the invitations or get some flowers or whatever it, it need be, because you just can't do it all. You really can't. And I think there's power in sort of letting people know that you need them in a way like, mm -hmm. hey, I just want to let you know, I'm still like, I'm really struggling with my grief, but I really appreciate your friendship. Mm -hmm. And just kind of reaching out, it doesn't have to be, you know, like, hey, I need you to do this for me. But it's just more like just trying to keep those connections, if you can, because sometimes people might not realize how much you need them. And you kind of have sometimes have to educate people on how to help you. But yeah, like you say, like, it's moments like, like that where you've got to to hold on to the hold on to the help when you can yeah and sal you mentioned something in a recent podcast of yours about if you do check in on the person saying no need to respond at the end yes. of the message that was huge for me and i do have one person in mind that did that for me and that is like something i will never forget how it made me feel so it's something that i've turned into i i do it to people that I'm checking in on with grief or just like, hope you're having a great day, love you. And that's it. It's amazing, isn't it? And because it's so overwhelming, you know, in the first weeks, months, you know, even years, it, it, it it's so much to try and think of what to say back other than I'm doing shit, you know? So there's And so your phone is often blowing up as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like so many people are bombarding you in the first couple of weeks and then after that it's crickets. But it, yeah, it helps so much to just take that pressure off. Yeah, I think. absolutely. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about how therapy has been an absolute life changer for me. Like I legit don't know where I'd be without it. So if you're on the hunt for a therapy partner, you need to check out BetterHelp. It offers virtual services, assesses your personalized needs, and matches you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start talking to within 48 hours. And it's even more affordable than traditional counseling. Speaking of affordability, they're allowing me to gift you with 10% off your first month because I love you and I wanna see you get the help that you need. You absolutely owe it to yourself to seek the support of a licensed therapist. 
therapist, you probably already do your banking online, read your news online, and do so many other things online. So go ahead and take care of that aching heart. Again, code SSFYL can get you 10% off your first month. They really make it so simple. So go check it out, betterhelp.com, SSFYL. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash S-S-F-Y-L. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. So I want to hear from each of you. What is something that you've heard from a guest that you've had on the show that has almost shook you to the core, whether it was super surprising about their story or made you look at your own story in a completely different way? For me, many, haven't they? yeah, so many. But for me personally, I don't really have to think too hard about this one. We had the absolute honor of speaking with Dr. Edith Eager, who is a 94-year-old Holocaust survivor. Yes. And she teaches people about the gift of forgiveness. And we had her on the podcast and it was honestly one of those pinch me moments where we're like, how is this happening right now? She was my absolute like hero in my healing. And so my mom died by suicide and with suicide loss, it can bring up a lot of complicated emotions like guilt and rage and all of these, you know, really yeah, yucky emotions and the circumstances surrounding what happened to my mom made things kind of extra complicated for me. And I was just filled with a lot of rage. And Dr. Edith Eager talks about how important it is to like feel those feelings and also find forgiveness mm-hmm. and how healing forgiveness is. And I had no idea what forgiveness was going into this. I'm like, you forgive someone, you just let them off the hook and, you know, get right. on with your life. But it's so much more than that. It's a gift that you give to yourself to heal mm-hmm. yourself because you don't want to hold on to those emotions for the rest of your life. And, and I was like, they were eating me alive. You know, I don't know if any of your listeners are going through the same thing, but like, rage and and hatred and fear and all of those emotions like physically affect you. And I was just struggling so badly. So I was able to kind of really process those emotions from speaking to this incredible woman and hearing all of her wisdom. And I feel like, yeah, she changed my life. And for, yeah, I I could go on and on about it, (laughs) but she is hands down mine. I am immediately thinking of people that I will need to send this episode to because of this in in particular. The forgiveness is absolutely huge. And you're right. You don't look at it in a space of forgiving who? I don't need to forgive somebody. No, forgiving yourself is Mm -hmm. where really all that power comes from. So yeah, that's, that yeah. is amazing. I did listen to some of that episode, but I can see how for a situation with suicide, that would have been incredibly empowering to be able to look at it that way. Yeah. It was life-changing and it, it applies to anyone who's experienced any sort of trauma as well, you know, just finding forgiveness yeah. because when you're holding on to those emotions, like it just, it's just affecting you and your quality of life. So it's just so important to process them. And there is a place for feeling all of those things. Like you need Mm -hmm. to feel it to move through it, but don't get stuck in it. And that's everything that she teaches. And I would, yeah, recommend anyone to look her up, Dr. Edith Eager. She's got two incredible books as well, which are just life-changing. Thanks for sharing that. I think for me, that to be honest, I don't know which one to pick because we've interviewed so many amazing guests, but there's an American author called Hope Edelman. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of her. 
Motherless she, Daughters, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. She wrote the book Motherless Daughters and she's all, she's written many books. That's one of her, her most famous ones. And she's also written a book called The Aftergrief, which kind of looks at how after that initial you know, period of loss, how we then go on to live with grief in our, in our lives. And she said something that really uh, struck a chord with me, because I think when we are grieving, there's this expectation from society that we get over it or there's Mm -hmm. some closure or or acceptance which as you know as we know isn't isn't the case you know you learn to live with the loss but there's no getting over it or like I'm healed now and she said that there's this cultural imperative to have closure or you know a resolution to your loss or some kind of acceptance and that she in her mind you can have maybe a feeling of acceptance at a certain point but it's it's more like a train station that you arrive and depart from and it's kind of like a hub and there's never the sort of finality of acceptance but it's more you might have phases where you feel it but then something might happen like you have an experience a life experience like becoming a mother for the first time getting married you know something like that's a big life experience that might then evoke your grief or your feelings and memories of that person and you may grieve them all over again and that really struck a chord with me because I thought it was a really poignant way to explain and describe the feelings of, of, of grief over time. Yeah that was really interesting wasn't it Sal and I remember she was saying how when she had her first daughter, I think she was about 33. So her mum died when she was in her teens, but she grieved for her mum all over again when she became a mum herself. So, yeah, she just the idea of there being closure or this final acceptance and you move on with your life is just is really not what it is. And I think, yeah, that that really helped us, didn't it? And I know for for you, Gianna, your daughter's just turned one. So I don't know whether that, you know, is rings true for you as well. So for the second time of me ever doing this podcast, I have now started to tear up oh, because let you it are out. Re- reminding me <laughs> that was that episode of yours that I listened to that struck me to the core. It was, I think this summer that you, that you put it out, or at least, at least that I had found it this summer and listened to it. And Hope Edelman had talked about Motherless Mothers, I think was another book that she had written based on that and grieving her mother differently after the birth of her child. And I'm sitting there with a six, seven month old at the time. I have nothing that I could complain about in my life. And I was so depressed. I would walk into the kitchen in the morning and I would just start shaking. I would start crying. I couldn't physically know how to make a cup of coffee. I think in that episode made me realize like, hello, this is grief again. Mm. (laughs) You know, you get to a point where you think that you're past it or that that can't possibly be what this is. It's very sneaky in how it rears its head sometimes. It got to the point where after that episode was able to put words to it. And I said to my husband, I think I'm so happy that I'm sad. I am so in love with this little baby that I am so sad my dad is not here to see this and see her and see this see this might person, make <laughs> see this make person that I've become with her. And I think that was also really scary 
too, because I do feel, you know, interest, it's very interesting for me to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you because I don't often speak with people who've had a loss after me. You get to a point where you're, you're so happy for your grief. As, as so weird as that sounds, like I am happy that I think about him all the time. Whereas in the earlier years, I would have given anything for that to stop because of how mm. painful it was. But eventually yes. it's not that painful. And it's like the most beautiful thing to feel that I have his memory with me all the time. Yes. But at the same time, I realized I can think that I'm over it. I can think that I, and over it's not the term. I can think that I've figured out the ways to conquer this and to have all my emotions at bay. But just as I will keep evolving as a person, so too will my grief. And I will have it in different ways for the rest of my life. And that is beautiful and terrifying at the same time. Yes. And that's the thing is bringing it back to Dr. Edith Eager as well. She says like grief, it's not something that we're going to overcome. It's not something that we've got to get over. It's just something that we come to terms with as a part of us. Yeah. And, you know, we move forward with our life and, and it'll always be there. And, and some days it'll feel really raw. And some days, like you said, we'll find appreciation for our grief and be like, it's here for the ride, but it reminds us of our loved one. And how beautiful is that? It's so important, I think, for people to kind of let go of that misconception of that we have to get over it because it's just not, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not possible. And I don't even want that to happen. Like, what does that look like? You know, I guess it's if, if you were presented with the option to never feel pain again, but you would forget them. Like, I would mm. never choose that. No, not at all. And, you know, grief at its core, it's love, right? And we yep. love, we, we still love them. They're always in our hearts and minds. So, of course, we're always going to be thinking of them and always going to be carrying them with us. It's just how it evolves over time. And it's a funny one, isn't it? Some days you feel well, weeks or months, you feel really strong and then something will hit you or a memory or yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's an oscillate. It just oscillates, doesn't it, grief? And I think that's what really resonated with me with hope, the conversation with hope. And I'm so glad that it resonated with you as well is the fact that it's okay to come in and out of, of your grief, you know, like a train station, you arrive and you depart. And I think just understanding, because I think we can judge ourselves, can't we, in our grief? We can be like, oh, you know, I haven't felt anything for a few weeks. I've had a strong few weeks and I haven't really, you know, felt any sort of pain around them. Am I am I not doing it right? Or, you know, we can judge ourselves if we feel like we're grieving too hard still. And it's, mm-hmm. um, I think, just letting go of any judgment on yourself and just knowing that it's, it's a process, a long, long process. I feel like that was a sneak attack. Like I like completely <laughs> forgot <laughs> that I even had that experience with that episode. So if you had any doubt that you were reaching your audience and really changing our lives, I hope that clears it up that I just cried right in front of you in the middle of the interview. (laughs) You made me cry too. I'm so, oh, yeah, so, so glad that you, you took that away from that episode. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lifelong thing. And I think as well, Gianna, like when you have kids, it just, it brings it up all yeah. the time and you know, little yeah. moments where you just want to share it with them and, and you can't, but you can. And this is yeah. the thing that we, we really try to harness is keeping 
the relationship with them alive as well. Yeah. It's called continuing bonds and it's so important. And I think one of the, another old misconception is like we have to let go of them and, you no. know, not think about your loved one again and don't talk about them because if you keep bringing them up, you're not healed and you're not moving forward with your life. But right, I think- like who started that rumor, right? Like why, <laughs> why is that the way that it's looked at? It's so bizarre when you, especially the, the way that you phrased it, it's crazy. Absolutely. And I think people just couldn't face it. Like they didn't want to face it. And I think, you know, older generations aren't the best at facing things and dealing with things. And this is a whole other topic that Sal and I have been so interested in is like intergenerational trauma and, you know, what gets passed down. That is, I, I, I even need to talk about it a little bit more. I almost need to research somebody that like will have something to say on it. I found out after my dad's death, almost in a, a pretty traumatic way, actually, that he was the third generation in our family to die at 63 years old of a heart attack. Wow. Every every single one of them. And so that has been a big impetus for me to do this too, because I refuse to be the fourth. My mom has stories of how my dad really didn't deal with his grief that well. And I think it it was like you're saying him like him pressing it down so so much and almost like you know those like like stress balls where you squeeze it and it just like comes out in every other way like that's what i think was happening was that yes i'm not saying that it completely contributed to his death but it certainly contributed to the stress that he had in his life that may have contributed to his and the body keeps the score as well when you that all sits in there it's it needs to come out that unprocessed trauma and grief like it stays in your body yeah my mom often gets a little worried because she thinks that by me doing this is like harnessing the grief and that I'm going to turn out the same way. And it's been a little bit of a struggle for me to be like, no, 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 I'm doing this to be completely opposite of that. Yes. I'm trying to tackle the lion head on. It's so funny, isn't it? My dad sent me um, a message. It was the a couple of days before the anniversary of my mom's death. And I know he meant well by it. But he said, I know the 20th is coming up, so tw- try not to dwell on it. And I was like, oh, I've kind of made a you know career out of dwelling on it, Dad, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm dwelling on it hard. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it's like, it's, it's therapeutic to talk, to talk mm, about absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, it's healing and it is such a fascinating topic, intergenerational trauma. And I'll, se- I'll, I'll send you a book about it that I've started reading after this. I think sometimes it takes like grief or a loss to start thinking about these things, about how trauma kind of carries down from generation to generation. And it's not something that, you know, is talked about openly or that many people really understand. Mm-mm. But it is like you can see when you start thinking about it and tracking it, you can you can track some of the patterns. So I think it's amazing that you're aware of aware of it and are kind of doing the work to to understand how you can kind of stop that, let that stop with you. Thank you. Yeah. Also, you should have just done an episode that was like, sorry to the listeners, this episode is canceled today. My father said not to dwell on it. All right, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, like the thing is, I think with your mom, you know, being worried about you talking about it too much and going into it too much is like whether you're going to start identifying with grief, yeah. Yeah. which 
I don't know if it's really a thing. Like I feel like grief kind of does become part of our identity, but what Sal and I have been starting to learn and try implementing our lives is taking breaks from our grief, like switching off from it and kind of, you know, letting life in a bit as well. And we kind of, yeah, like oscillate between the two, which is so important, especially with the work that you do, but it is so cathartic to talk. And it's, we often think, gosh, where would we be in our grief if we didn't have the platform that we do and the community that we've built? Like, I don't think we would be in the place that we are. Like, we're feeling pretty strong and pretty good in our grief because we right. talk about it, you right? Know? But it is also important to take breaks as well and, and let Absolutely. yourself have fun and play. Yeah. And let yourself be a person outside of that. And that is what took me a while. I remember almost like down to the day, a therapy session that I had where I said to my therapist, and it was about two years and some change after my dad's death, that I said, I finally feel like a person first and a person who's grieving second. And that that took a long time. Incredible. And that just brings so much hope, yeah. you know, to anyone listening, I'm sure like that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? <laughs> I think. Yeah. So, so great to hear that you you got there. Yeah. All right. Let's end it with some humor. We started with some humor <laughs> with that, the secrets of your moms in the beginning, but any, like any dark jokes to share or any griefy jokes or any griefy terms? I feel like you guys are so great at coming up with griefy terms or just <laughs> anything funny that we can end with. Tell, tell your, your ashes story, Sal. <laughs> Sal's oh got a, a funny ashes story because believe it or not, sometimes things like spreading the ashes can be quite funny even though it shouldn't be (laughs) I feel like that's kind of common I feel like I've heard that a few times or just like the way that people do it 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 turns into I've heard people say that it turns into like a raging party and like (laughs) funny things have ensued at what was supposed to be like a pleasant memorial event but okay go ahead Well, like the thing that surprised me about the ashes and I don't know if it's the same in you in the U.S. but in the U.K. so I was given like the little sort of like urn with the ashes in and I had to get like had to take my mum's passport and her driver's license and a letter from the funeral director and I had to show her passport when I was going through customs with the ashes which blew my mind oh my god yeah like I had like I had to show her passport and there she is in a little urn I was like this did he like check the urn and then the passport go yep (laughs) right right like we need a fingerprint like what (laughs) it's honestly it's a it's a process in the UK so you have to get the the letter and then the yeah the like identity documents and then (laughs) anyway when I got back to the UK sorry to Australia from the UK I wanted to scatter them the ashes in the place that we got married so we got married like overlooking the Sydney Opera House in the Royal Botanical Gardens it was it's such a beautiful spot and I know my mum loved it there and you know I thought it's a really nice place that I can just go and sit with her and we can you know it's a, a place of like really fond memories anyway so it's obviously a public place you know there's a lot of tourists a lot of people there so I went to the spot where we got married and I got the kind of the shaker that the shaker full of the ashes out and I'm thinking that it would just be you know I'll just scatter them and they'll kind of you know blow away and it will be a really beautiful moment Dude, they're like bath salts. They are so chalky and so thick. And I was like trying to scatter them on like the lawn bed. And they were, it was literally like this thick white chalky powder. It was so obvious. And I'm trying to be all subtle and have this moment. And it's literally like this white dust everywhere. (gasps) People are always walking around this place as well. You've got to set the scene. Like it's a busy kind of thoroughfare where people are jogging past and walking past. 
yeah. it's like one of the most the busiest places in Sydney so there I am trying to be like have this moment with my mum but it's like this thick white chalk oh my gosh but in the were end, people to, stopping oh, or looking yeah, or did yeah. you oh my god yeah people were like looking and I was like okay this isn't working what do I do so in the end I just like went over to like there's like a seawall where there's like the Sydney harbor and I was like sod's mum you're going in the water so I had to like like just put them in the water because I was like I, ca- I literally cannot scatter them where I want to because they are like it's so obvious it was like a big I've white, never like chalk yeah I've never <laughs> thought of like what it would look like I guess or like the texture of it when it would go down on the ground I guess that's why so yeah. many people do scatter it in water yeah because you think like you don't think do you think scattering you just have this image of it just being like a really light and breezy process but yeah it was like dumping thick chalk right like all cinematic and like the wind is blowing (laughs) in the perfect way and you've got to be careful of the wind as well because my one of my best friends she scattered her dad's ashes blew them off a bridge and the wind picked up and blew it all back and she had her dad's ashes all in through Mm -mm. her hair and on her face like it was so traumatizing Oh my gosh. It needs to come with a manual when you pick up the ashes, like how to scatter ashes without getting I know. traumatized. Well, and then there's like some places where you need like a permit. And I've heard of people literally getting arrested for oh. spreading ashes in certain places. I, I just feel like it can no. go so, so wrong. <laughs> so my dad is still chilling, like in a beautiful mahogany box in the living room. And that is where he will stay for now until we figure out what we want to do. Mom's chilling too at my sister's place. I just can't face it yet. So, yeah. but my joke is she's not going anywhere. So yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah. Box isn't she in? Oh yeah. <laughs> she's in no. something that's not like, yeah, I haven't even got her in a pretty urn. I literally can't even deal with that yeah. element what? of grief yet. What Here did your sister? Like, what did your sister do? Because isn't her like father-in-law's ashes next to your mum's yes. ashes? So her father-in-law. Okay, she's in the garage. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> this is just getting worse. So her father-in-law and my mum are in the garage, and they are sitting next to each other. And so she has company. Yes, company. So they introduced her to to my sister's father-in-law and were like, you know, behave you two. (laughs) Come and join you. And she had to like weigh them to make sure she didn't get them mixed up as well. So she knows who's who. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's a little different than like putting it on your leftovers, you know, like pasta, meat sauce or whatever. It's like mom, father-in-law. Father-in-law, like let's not mix these two up. But yeah. that's oh, something so. where, like, you know, people don't talk about it a lot. I'm sure there are people in garages all over the world. Yeah, uh, sure. you've got to well, find you've got to find the yeah. humor, haven't you? Yeah, and we, absolutely. We also found out another funny. Because our mums were quite similar; they had quite a few similar traits. But we found out this really random fact about them both, which just had us both in hysterics. That they neither of them owned ovens. They were ovens. I heard you say that. <laughs> Who doesn't have an oven? Our mums Honestly, just did not have both of our mums. And they were using that little to... campsite thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like a little halogen cooker that you use when you take camping. I mean, just random. But yeah, we just have so many funny little... We had a yeah. virtual grief sesh, didn't we? And your partner walked in him. Oh my God, yes. So <laughs> I don't know if your listeners know about grief sessions. That's one of our things, which is like when you're having those heavy days, really inviting the grief in and letting yourself feel all the feels and have a big, ugly cry. We love to do that. And 
somehow randomly Sal and I were on a zoom and I think we were both kind of feeling at that point in our grief and we ended up having like a virtual grief sesh together (laughs) it was not planned and then halfway through my partner walked into the room and like Sal and I like sobbing over zoom I was like oh sorry can you just give us a minute I was just having a a virtual grief sesh (laughs) you need it you need it yeah yeah, which we kind of had one before, didn't we? We had a little bit of a, a grief sesh, let the tears come out. But yes. just got to let it out when it comes. Just yeah. better better out than in. Absolutely. And, and there's, a, there's a, a social post that we posted a couple of weeks ago, and it just reminded me of just going back to when you were talking about how you were sort of feeling that grief when, you you know, your daughter was six months old and grieving that your that your dad wouldn't meet her and there's something called the double whammy of grief so you grieve them the person Mm -hmm. who's died but then you grieve the things that they'll be missing or the people they won't meet and those experiences in that in life and I I just wanted to say that that reminded me of of that because yeah it can feel like a double whammy can't it that sort of yeah yeah I believe that he very much sees everything that's going on I don't know yes. how you feel about your moms, but the signs and stuff that I've got from him, yes. I feel that he sees everything. It's almost in this selfish way that I don't get to experience him seeing it or that my daughter won't get to experience who he is. But we already, I mean, she doesn't even understand English, but we tell her everything about him, about my mother-in-law. Like we make them so much a part of her life. I wish I would have videoed his every single move that he ever made so that I could show her that. And now it's like I, I video everything because I, I I know the power that video has versus just photos when somebody is yeah. gone. You know, I would give anything for that to have not happened, but I wouldn't change where the journey has brought me and the lessons that I've learned and and things like that. So you guys highlight all of it so, so well. The final thing I just wanna ask you, what can we expect to see next from Sal and Imogen and the the Good Morning Podcast? What are a topic that you have on deck that you wanna tackle? We've got a few big guests in the pipeline for early next season. And we're gonna be talking about things like living losses. We're gonna be talking about more spiritual sort of content. So Mm -hmm. um, spirituality, we're gonna be talking about finding love after loss as well. Mm. So yeah, we've got quite a few interesting conversations coming up. Yeah, we've got some amazing guests coming on for next season. Some very big grief leaders which we're very excited about to yeah to share them with everyone so (laughs) piqued my interest can't wait yes and yeah we just want to keep exploring the spiritual side of things you know because it does bring so much comfort when you're grieving and kind of like you were mentioning before you feel like your dad's everywhere we do feel like our mums were everywhere and, and we actually had a, a really interesting interview with Leslie Kane who wrote Surviving Death all about what that is about and mm-hmm. how consciousness lives on after we die and death isn't the end, like our physical body dies but our spirit and our essence and, and everything remains and that just, yeah, that brings us so much comfort. But, again, we could go on and on <laughs> about this topic too but, yeah, yeah. we're yeah, definitely um 
still, yeah, loving the spiritual side of things. I agree. There's so much to to dive in there too. I I mean, I'll I'll end it on this that I saw and somebody had shared when a baby is in the womb, if, you, if somebody said to them like, oh, well, you're going to meet mom and it's going to be amazing. And the baby's like, what? Like, no, this is amazing. I want to stay here. What is mom? And it's like, well, I can't explain what it is, but you'll just find out when you get there. Obviously the baby comes and this is life and it's beautiful. And we like to think the babies love their mom. I think my baby loves me. That was the analogy to this life that if you are to explain heaven well what is heaven well i don't know you'll just figure it out when you get there and maybe that is that transformation that once you get to the next thing it really is beautiful and it really is lovely and it really is beyond words it's not the end of that spirit as you were saying yes mind-blowing isn't it all <laughs> yeah that's called the two-inch grief theory and it comes from the baha'i faith so Baha'i Allah, who is their God, says to view life and death as the same thing. So when you die, it's kind of like a new rebirth into the next life. So it's just always continuing. You know, there's no real finality to it, which yeah. I think in Western culture, we really think that there is like death yes. is the end and that's it. And there's nothing else. And so, yeah, I absolutely love that you, yeah, you picked up on that. It's such a, it's such a comforting theory, isn't it? Just yeah. thinking that, they're, they're right there. They could be two inches away from this life. We just can't see them. And like we couldn't see our mums when we were in the womb and we had no idea right. what existed outside of that world that we were in. Like it's it's pretty right. magical. I think you hit the nail on the head with the word comfort. I mean, that is something that's so hard to be able to grasp in such a dark time. And that type of theory really helps give that comfort. Definitely. And also just talking on the topic of comfort, when you ask what is next for Good Morning, we are going to be releasing some affirmation cards. In cool. The yeah, so we've worked with one of our listeners who's an amazing designer and she's been listening to us since um, the day we launched. And yeah, they're a deck of affirmation cards to help support you in your grief and loss and, and bring some comfort. So that. yeah, that's that's coming up as well, which we're really excited about. Wonderful. Well, I cannot wait to see what else you guys come up with. I can't wait to see all the reels that you do because I always am obsessed with those too. And let everybody know where they can find you on Instagram and the website. We are at Good Morning Podcast and morning is spelt with a U and our website is www.goodmorning.com.au. I hope I've got that right. <laughs> have I got that right, Sal? Yeah, and yeah. we also have a Facebook support group for anyone that is needing a little bit of extra support and it's called Good Morning Grief Community and you can access all of these resources via the link in our bio and our Instagram anyway so it's all in the one place. But yeah, that's where you can find us. Thank you so much for your time and I hope we can do this again sometime. It's been so lovely. Thank you, John. It's been such a treat talking to you. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned. <laughs>